Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to this special edition of the Review of Religions program here on The Voice of Islam, coming to you live from Alton, Hampshire. Today is the start of the three-day annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where around 40 to 50,000 people are expected to attend from all over the world. It'll be a weekend of spiritual talks, um, exhibitions, and also showcasing projects that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community are involved in and are supporting. But the highlight, of course, will be the address, the daily addresses, I should say, of, the, of His Holiness, Hazrat Khalifa Tulmasih V, to the gathering here. Now, many of our listeners are probably making their way over to the annual convention site here at the Hadikut al-Mahdi, formerly Oakland's farm. And some of you might be wondering what the Review of Religions is and what it has to do with the annual convention. Well, I'm Sarah Wasim, and I'm one of the editors of the Review of Religions, and I'm joined and very happy to be joined by Nakasha Ahmed, who is the deputy editor. Welcome, Nakasha. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So, Nakasha, let's start by perhaps thinking with our um, audience about what the relationship is between uh, the review and the annual convention. Why are we doing this? What, what's the relationship between the two events? Uh, yeah, so actually, um, some people might not know this, but there's a really deep connection between the annual convention, also known as Jalsa Salana, and the Review of Religions. Um, the very first annual convention um, actually happened in December of 1891 in India. And one of the express purposes, um, as the Promised Messiah uh, mentioned, was um, he, he wrote that you know, one of the exigencies of the convention is to put forward sound policies for the religious benefit of Europe and America. It is a proven fact that the fortunate people of Europe and America are getting ready to accept Islam, but are alarmed by the religious divisions in Islam. So this was what he wrote was an express purpose of this convention more than 100 years ago. And then in the very next year, in the second convention, actually, um, that's where the idea for the Review of Religions came out. So um, if you look back at the proceedings of that convention in December of 1892, um, uh, the proceedings state that respected guests gave their suggestions for the religious benefit of Europe and America. And it was decided that a magazine setting out the complete teachings of Islam and reflecting the beautiful features of Islamic beliefs should be compiled and printed. Many copies should be sent to Europe and America. And in the future as well, the purpose of these yearly conventions should remain the same. That is, that proposals should be put forth for the propagation of Islam and as an act of kindness for the new Muslims from America and Europe. Um, and so, you know, a committee was formed, and uh, in 1902, the very first edition of the Review of Religions was printed. So this is, you know, our very old, long-running magazine. So, so the Review is actually over 100 years old, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And what I think is incredible, and I wonder how many people know this, is that, um, as you said, it was started by His Holiness, the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mr. Ghulam Ahmed, um, peace be upon him. Um, but it started in a very remote part of India, didn't it? In, the, in a small hamlet called Kardian, which is very remote and, and certainly at that time was. Um, and as you said, the um, promised Messiah wanted to spread the message. He himself didn't speak English. He had limited resources. So how, what was the impact of, of, of this magazine? Did it have an impact? And what was that? 
Yeah, so I, th- I feel like this history is really remarkable. Um, as you mentioned, His Holiness, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, didn't didn't speak uh, English or write English, but he wrote articles in his native language, Urdu, and then they would be translated by his companions. So he actually, um, several of his books were serialized in the Review of Religions. Um, they were translated in English um, and, um, you know, as you mentioned, Gadian is this very small town. It, you know, didn't, it was, it was quite far away from the bigger cities. Um, and so the impact that it had was remarkable, um, especially for the time. So, for example, just as an example of its international reach, three chapters of the Amdiya Muslim community were established um, as a direct result of the Review of Religions magazine in Ghana, in Mauritius, and in the Philippines. But by chapters, um, just translating for our English audience, yes, of course. we mean the organization was of the, established. Yes, exactly, exactly. Sure. Um, and so that's just very, that's a very global reach. Yeah. Um, another example, uh, His Holiness the Promised Messiah had issued a prayer duel with John Alexander Dowie, um, who was from Zion, Illinois. He was a minister, wasn't he? He was a minister from Zion, Illinois, and there was a prayer duel, and, and the, His Holiness the Promised Messiah actually wrote and issued the prayer duel in the Review of Religions. And, you know, newspapers around the world cited the Review of Religions when writing wow. about this prayer duel, including wow. the Boston Globe, um, papers in the UK, papers in, in the subcontinent, papers in the United States. So um, it had a really global reach uh, uh, and, and for think, that time. And I think what's incredible is, I don't know how many of our listeners perhaps have visited Cardian. I My last trip was in 1991. And I, I wasn't even sure if I wrote a letter if it would actually get out. And yeah. So yeah. It, it's incredible, isn't it? Obviously, it's much more right. advanced these days. But to think about that reach, and here we are with a global reach. I mean, it's really quite incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. With the resources of the time to have that kind of impact, I think it shows you uh, well, it's the blessings, just the importance. isn't it? Also, exactly. as we would say, the blessings of God that exactly. uh, this message had to get out to the exactly. West. Now, you and I are both part of, of the review team. Um, we produce the review on a monthly basis. The process of publication is quite lengthy, isn't it? Um, and um, we do have certain standard features, don't we? We, we have the addresses of His Holiness, uh, the present uh, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya community. We publish those addresses. Yeah, exactly. We also publish translations of um, original translations of previous um, caliphs of the community. Yes, absolutely. Why do we do that? Are there certain gems there that perhaps have not yet been accessible to an English-speaking audience? Absolutely. There's there's so many writings by um, both His Holiness the Promised Messiah and his um, successors that were written in Urdu, and so those gems have not been translated in English. And it's, you know, almost 100 years worth of material, and that's slowly being translated. But in order to spread that to a wider audience, we issue these original translations. And, I, and they're really fascinating because, yeah. you know, some one of the most recent ones was um, a speech about... Uh, the value of mountains and there is a verse Mm -hmm. that mountains are the pegs of the earth from the holy quran and what does that mean and how mountains are a source of nourishment so this was a speech by the um the second successor to his holiness the promised messiah um his holiness and he has this really interesting take about how um how mountains provide resources and food and nourishment um and uh so it's, it's a really interesting light on these Quranic verses. So there's a lot of stuff that we, we do 
that. So very topical for today, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, um, exactly. And, and when we look back at those writings, they, the relevance is really quite astounding when, when you look at them now. Um, but of course, we do those aspects. But, but the review also has a number of other um, articles, doesn't it? I mean, we cover many other in, uh, Absolutely. issues. Absolutely. We have, um, because religion really, you know, people think, well, what does science have to do with religion or women's issues or law and human rights? And we have all these um, topics that we write about because religion really affects every aspect of our daily lives. So we will write about, um, for example, in our July issue, we talk about abortion yes. and the ethical ramifications. And what does Islam say about the permissibility of abortion? And this is really topical. You know, last year in the United States, the Supreme Court struck down abortion protections when they struck down Roe versus Wade. Um, in the UK recently, mm -hmm. um, a woman was uh, convicted for, I believe, 28 months um, because she took an abortion pill uh, at 32 weeks. Um, so these are really practical, relevant questions. And uh, in our article that we published this month, we talk about, you know, Islam has um, the view that uh, abortion is really is permissible, um, especially in the early, early months for a variety of reasons, not for financial reasons, but, you know, if a woman feels like it's, it's difficult, if she feels like there's, you know, she has some um, agency in terms of Yes, health, health issues. Uh, health issues, yes, yes absolutely. Um, uh, she has agency in terms of whether she feels like she can carry it to term. Um, and again, for financial reasons, Islam doesn't allow that um, because God is the provider. But uh, but there's a really, it's an, it's a, we have a really interesting deep dive into abortion in our July issue. So I, I would advise anyone who hasn't read it to read it because it is a statement of um, I think women's rights and so very important um, and particularly in this country when we think about some of the things that happened in Ireland particularly where mothers knew they would be giving birth to Absolutely. very disabled children and were not allowed to have abortions yeah. uh, not only not only Ireland of course many other countries in the right. world so that's and an interesting I think it's topic. important to state that in Islam I think the overall message is that the, the, the life of the mother is is very is considered very important and um, you know, the health of the mother and the life of the mother is, is really sacred. Yes, yes, when absolutely. When we're talking about abortion. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think um, readers will find that really quite profound when they look at that. We've also had other articles there, haven't we, that have, you know, uh, considered and, and, and discussed cannabis. We've had articles on mental health, again, which I think people will find very interesting. And um, one of the articles we had about mental health and depression um, was really very enlightening because quite often uh, people who are of a religious, a very religious bent will say that, well, how can you get depressed or suicidal because it shows you don't have faith in religion. But in that article, which includes an interview with His Holiness, um, the present Khalifa of the community, that issue is um, spoken about much more clearly. And, and of course, you know, where there's a need or a course for medication, um, His Holiness advises that we do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he's stressed the, the need, you know, he talks about it in a very compassionate way and um, that, you know, it is... When, when people need to get help with depression, this isn't a religious feeling, or they should go to the doctor, they should go to the psychiatrist, they should get the help that they need. Or even the psychologist. Um, yes. Uh, I'm very much in favor of uh, people getting therapy for mental health issues. Um, so let's also think now, um, for our readership, how does this magazine come together? We're both involved in different yes, aspects right. of it. Can we give our listeners, um, I said readership and I should have said listeners, um, uh, but, but of course, can we think about um, how it comes together in this sort of in a nutshell? 
It's a long process, isn't it? Yeah, so we actually go through a quite lengthy process. Um, we have a, a initial panel, which you're a member of as well, and we vet every article. Um, and then if we feel like it passes our initial sort of standards, um, we send it to a couple of peer reviewers. Um, they will be subject matter experts. For example, um, if, it's a, if it's an article on mountains, we might send it to a geologist. Um, so we try to have that sort of extra level of peer review um, and then we also, if there's religious content, we'll send it to um, uh, an imam or a missionary um, to, to vet that. And we'll also send it to, to readers mm. who are sort of in, the intelligent layperson to yeah. make sure that you know, there's no jargon or nothing, no yeah. concept that's unexplained. Um, once it goes through that process, we check for plagiarism. We, check for, we do a lot of basic fact checking um, line by line, making sure all the facts are correct. Um, along with the larger concepts, and then we do a rigorous process of sub-editing, and only then does it actually make it, it to make our, it to print. Does right, it? Yeah. exactly. And um, in that process, um, you used the word vetting, and I'm just thinking for our listeners, what, when it, it's not about what we like or don't like, is it? It's about is this an article that will appeal to our readership, that will have relevance for our readership, totally. and that our readership will understand, as you said, a very important point. Kind of, we're not assuming people to be religious experts or academics. They need an article needs to be understandable, doesn't it? By absolutely, any of us. absolutely. So whether it's science or is religion. it valuable to our readership? Does it give them new information, new insights, um, and does it just you know dispel misconceptions about religion or about Islam or? Um, so there has to be some sort of value to that, and it also has to be accurate, conceptually sound. You know, there's all these different factors that go into to checking an article. And, and that takes time. Yeah. Um, we've talked about print, um, but the review, of course, is on multiple platforms now, isn't it? We've yep. got a website, and I know uh, people have told me they found the website really quite helpful. And we don't put the um, the latest editions immediately on the website, do we? But but the editions are A month or two, two um, later, yeah. There's a month or two yeah. gap. So again, uh, really quite a generous offering, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the online section has, uh, the website has its own really interesting articles. So there was a really fascinating series called Reaching for the Stars, where they interview different Muslim professional women. Um, there's, um, we featured an astronomer, Munaza Alam, who graduated from Harvard. We've um, and featured a, a scientist from Pfizer, um, Nusrat Sharif, Dr. Nusrat Sharif. So, you know, there's just a, a lot of uh, really interesting topical content on the website that doesn't always make it into the print magazine, but yeah. it's it's really worth a look. We also have podcasts. And, we also have um, podcasts, absolutely. I, I remember during the COVID pandemic, we were really very lucky to have podcasts with um, people who were working at the forefront of what was going on. Um, and... Um, to, to think about that, and we had we had medics, we had an economist, you know, to, right? And those podcasts are, are really quite interesting to listen to. And we're also on YouTube. On yeah, Twitter. so we actually have like ninety three thousand subscribers on YouTube. We have over three hundred videos, um, and the the videos are really a gamut. There's um, we have uh, sort of more intellectual talks. We have we did a social experiment a couple years ago called I'm a Muslim, Ask Me Anything. And one of our team members went around America holding a sign saying, I'm a Muslim, <laughs> ask me anything. And people, and you know, we, we taped that. And that has almost uh, almost 7 million views. Wow. So, you know, our, our video offerings are a little bit different from our print offerings. But, it, you know, it, it, the, the, the goal is the same, which is to talk about Islam, you know, uh, dispel misconceptions in, in a variety of different ways and platforms. And we also have reels, don't we, on Instagram? 
um, where and very simple ideas are yes. posted there. Um, so again, to appeal, I think that that will really have a lot of yeah. appeal to a younger audience too. Yeah, and and actually, just to go back to the the print and the online really quickly, we also actually publish in uh, other languages. So we publish monthly in English, but we also publish quarterly in French, German, and Spanish. So. Uh, we're really trying to fulfill that mission of getting it out to the Western world in, in whatever way possible. Absolutely. Now, we're here at Jelsa, aren't we? We're here at the annual convention, and the Review of Religions also has um, hosted exhibitions here, hasn't it? Some yeah. really quite interesting exhibitions in, in previous years. Again, COVID pandemic sort of... Right, right. So in a the, little of a high hiatus there. Yeah. yeah, in the past, we've done some really fascinating exhibitions on the Tour and Shroud. We called Tour and Shroud experts, um, and they gave talks, and um, we've talked about Islam in the East, in China. We've... Um, you know, done exhibitions on calligraphy and Islamic art. We've and had collections, haven't we? Rare, rare collections, absolutely. Yeah. Very valuable collections, actually. And so, you know, of course, then COVID happened and, you know, we weren't able to meet anymore. So we had, uh, we had virtual events, right? And so in um, the last few years, we've actually had the virtual God Summit. Where, the last couple of years, yes. Yeah. We've had, mm -hmm. yeah. And the, the God Summit was basically a virtual event where we had talks highlighting the acceptance of prayer as people told their stories about their connection to Allah and how to God and how he answered their prayers. Um, there were some amazing stories there because because the yes. purpose behind the God Summit also was to, you know, tackle the rise in atheism, or at least to start to right. think about alternatives to that. Yeah, and some of those stories are very personal about how God answered people's prayers absolutely. and helped them. But there were also academic talks there too. Absolutely. For example, um, why is there suffering in the world, right? Um, that's a, a really top, you know, there's a really great, great talk um, on why suffering exists when God is all good. So that's a common question that people have. And, and you know, um, just a really a wide variety of uh, talks, talk just exploring the existence of God from all angles. Yeah. And last year we did a we did a piece um, about marriage, and uh, we had yes. a segment on it. Um, Absolutely, where couples were talking about Absolutely. challenges in marriages and what made for a good marriage. And um, uh, yeah, and yeah. it's entertaining. To, it's not it's not heavy duty. It's quite right, entertaining right. also. And to and to. listeners can catch a lot of those um, talks on our YouTube channel. They've been uploaded uh, some of them. So yeah, I think some also might be on the website yes, too. Yes, absolutely. We can check that out. Well, thank you so much for. Um, uh, talking Thank to you us for having me. This. Um, we're about now to go on to a short break, and when we return, uh, two members of our team, uh, Zubair Ahmed and Sabahda Ali, will be telling you more about the Existence Project and the Existence Project exhibition, which is here at this year's Jalsa Salana. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we hope that uh, you enjoy our next segment. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Hazrat Huzaifa, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Prophethood shall remain among you as long as Allah shall will. He will bring about its end and follow it up with Khilafat on the precepts of prophethood for as long as he shall will 
and then bring about its end. A tyrannical monarchy will then follow and will remain as long as Allah shall will, and then it will come to an end. There will follow thereafter monarchical despotism as long as Allah shall will, and come to an end upon his decree. There will then emerge Khilafat on the precepts of prophethood. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, remain silent thereafter. Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah, peace be on him. Our paradise is in our God. Our highest delight is in our God, for we have seen him and have found every beauty in him. This wealth is worth procuring, though one may have to lay down one's life to procure it. This ruby is worth purchasing, though one may have to lose one's self to acquire it. O ye who are bereft, run to this fountain and it will satiate your thirst. It is the fountain of life that will save you. What shall I do? And by what drum shall I make the announcement that this is your God, so that people might hear? What remedy shall I apply to their ears so that they should listen? If you belong to Allah, rest assured that Allah will indeed belong to you. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. You are listening to the Review of Religions program here on the Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Sufyan Faruqi. I'm joined in studio by Zubair Hayat, who is in charge of graphics and uh, so- social media, is it? Yep, graphics and design. Yep. Graphics and design. Nice to be here with you. I'm going to need your help today with the, the titles for people. You just yeah. were hearing before the break, uh, two of our distinguished editors for the Review of Religions magazine, Miss Sarah Wasim and Miss Nakasha Ahmed, um, yep. uh, who were talking about some of the history of the Review of Religions. Of course, Zubair, they talked about you know, the, the, the role that the Review of Religions magazine played in that historic prayer duel between the Promised Messiah the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, may uh, peace be upon him, and uh, the uh, priest in the U.S., the city yeah. of Zion, uh, the prayer duel, all, in fact, was communicated through the Review of Religions. At least the Messiah got his message out through the Review of Religions. That was really, really fascinating yeah. to bear to hear. And then obviously talking about some of the the way that the whole magazine itself comes together mm-hmm. each and every month yeah. uh, was absolutely intriguing and and really uh, insightful to hear because we take it for granted at mm-hmm. least i do every month you get that copy in the post of the review of religions magazine and it's just there and there's yeah. beautiful articles and beautiful pictures and everything is just in one little bundle yeah uh, exactly. but of course we are here zubair at uh, the joseph Salana, the annual convention of the ahmadiyya muslim community and just describe what's what's going on around us. Yeah, the atmosphere here is absolutely amazing. Um, every year coming to Jalsa, but this year it feels even more special. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is mud, there is rain, but everybody's happy, everybody's cheerful, everybody's excited. So many exhibitions, so many activities, so many things to do this year in Jalsa. And today we're going to be speaking to Sabahat Ali, who is the editor of the Existence Project, which is within the Review of Religions marquee. 
Um, and that's a project where he leads and he basically is setting up this really, really fantastic exhibition for people to see. Uh, so many different aspects to it. I know there's some aspects which are top secret. We're going to try and get those secrets out today. Uh, so Sabah, thank you for joining us. Uh, how are things going in your exhibition? Thank you very much. Peace be upon you. Um, things are well underway. It's just uh, finishing touches, yeah. getting the candy jars warmed up for yeah. our visitors. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing on social media uh, some of the posts that the Review Religions has been putting out about this exhibition, and there was a really interesting trailer. So the first yeah. question, I think, on the tips of everyone's tongue is, what is this great blind taste test? What is that about? Well, if you really want to know, you're <laughs> going to have to come visit. Uh, it is a bit of a secret. The yeah. idea is to get people thinking about uh, the most profound questions of our existence mm. using something as simple as a, a candy or, as you guys call do it, a talk. Do I get here, to eat the candy sweet. after? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, get to keep yeah, the candy yeah, and get before. to eat it. You, you eat it first. Eat it first. <laughs> it all starts uh, by pumping some sugar into your system, yeah. Wow, and through that you prove the existence of God. Well, we hope to open up doors to some really impactful discussions, inshallah, God willing. Okay, so that's one exhibit in the Existence Project. Right. So once I've eaten the candy, mm -hmm. and, I, and I love the candy, and it's in my belly, I'm done. It proves the existence of God. I go home, or is there more? Well, it's not that easy. Okay. We're going to blindfold you. You're going to okay. put a little clip on your nose and uh, limit your senses and see if you can um, continue to experience the physical world around you in the same way or if that changes. Mm -hmm. And then once that happens, then there's an entire auditorium where we've got a stage and a super screen um, with presentations, talks, a whole multimedia interactive wow. uh, experience. Amazing, amazing. Um, you know, the topic of the existence of God, since the beginning of time, it seems that people have debated it. Why is it such a debatable topic? And even to this day, you see it on YouTube, Instagram, social media, uh, there's so many people, whether they're atheist or Muslim or people that re that believe in religion, believe in God. Why is it so debated and why is it so relevant to t still to today? That's a really great question, Zubair. I think uh, the fact that it's so heavily debated, despite the fact that people claim that atheism is prevalent and on the rise, whether you are a hardened atheist or a devout believer, you're a kind of obsessed with God. I speak to people who call themselves militant atheists and they're still obsessed with the concept of God. So no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, the human nature aspect, our condition, who we are, calls to investigate where we come from. What is our common denominator? What is the meaning for all of this? I really like how you said that atheists are obsessed with God because on the surface that almost sounds like a contradiction. <laughs> but when you ponder over it, you really understand that even if you don't believe in God, all your efforts and energy are trying to disprove his existence. Yeah. And then here we are on the other side of the spectrum as followers of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, trying to prove that there is in fact a God. Uh, really, really uh, good analogy there. Yeah. But then, Sofian, that yeah. makes it relevant for everybody. Exactly. Because whether you believe in God or you don't, this exhibition is for all people. Yes, um, absolutely. So I think even when we were, because I'm also in the team, so we were thinking about the topic and the idea. Even in my mind, I was thinking to myself, what is the target audience? Yeah. But actually, the target audience is everyone. Everyone, yeah. So it's really relevant. Um, and I don't think there's anybody that I've spoken to, whether they're young or old, man or woman who's not interested in yeah. what's going to happen and we're like we're trying to get 
information out of you. Mm-hmm. It seems that mm-hmm. we're trying to, but um, it's really, really interesting. And the trailers that you've put out, can you just tell us a, b- a bit about the trailer um, and about the, just the whole concept about um, making this an immersive mm-hmm. experience? Yeah, so I mean, when you, when you think of an exhibit, um, especially in 2023, coming out of the exhibition, you know, I'm sorry, out of the exhibition, coming out of the pandemic, yeah. um, people are a little bit hesitant, um, and we have been, and we're kind of out of the woods by and large. So we thought, let's roll up our sleeves and give people an opportunity not just to gather and look at posters, and that has its own merit, of course, um, but to you know actually use their physical faculties, do something themselves, experience something, and make them question themselves so that's the first thing that we're trying to do is like we take reality for granted but do we actually know what reality is these are big questions and sometimes we go our whole life not even thinking about it not stopping to smell the roses and we want to ask whether the roses are uh, roses at all so why did we choose this theme for this year's annual convention talk a little bit about that that's an interesting question. Um, Zubair, you know, is part of, at the forefront of, of one of the teams who produces the videos for the, the annual virtual God Summit or the last two God Summits. And that was virtual because we were very limited due to the pandemic. But that involved various discussions, talks, experiences. This is basically our opportunity to bring something like the God Summit to people physically. Um, so that's why we've got that stage, we've got an auditorium, and the idea is let's get people using their, the elasticity of their ability to philosophize and the dexterity of their fingers um, really thinking about this question because if God exists, it's the singular most important question of all. And if he doesn't exist, it's equally important because no one wants to live a life where they believe the greatest lie. It's either the greatest lie or the greatest truth ever told. Mm. One question I was thinking of this morning um, on the way to Jossa, and I'm sure there's a lot of people on the way to Jossa right now um, in their cars listening or at home. Um, but a lot of people might be scared to say that they're struggling um, with knowing if God exists, especially if they classify themselves as Muslim mm-hmm. or Amity Muslim. Mm-hmm. So how are, you, how are you making it easy for people to, to open up about such a, a personal, sensitive topic? Um, so that they don't feel like um, they'll be blacklisted for what they say or, uh, you know, people are going to take offense if, if they have issues with uh, understanding God and, you know, if God exists. That's a really uh, deep question and I think a very valuable one and, and very insightful uh, because how do you get people who... Look, when we ask each other, for example, I often, if, when we do talks and, and presentations of the Existence Project, sometimes I ask... When was the last time someone asked you, how are you doing? And you said, I'm fine, but you weren't fine. And when was the last time that you asked somebody how they were doing and you really genuinely wanted to know how happy they were on a scale from zero to 10? We kind of go our whole life with millions of people kind of going by us, walking by us, cars driving by, and there's an entire story there. There's a whole storm, people in the eye of the, of the hurricane. And it's really unfortunate that we're kind of living in our own hurricanes. Whereas sometimes what we don't realize is the person walking past us who we ignore because we're so caught in our own trial might actually have gone through that same trial and have golden advice. And the solutions we're looking in other places, but those solutions are walking 
walking past us. Or it may be that a person who doesn't have the right support system in their life, they don't realize that hiding away and staying at home all day is the opposite of what needs to be done. We want to embolden, like you said, enable, empower each individual to celebrate their existence. And by, by making an exhibit, it's, it's, you'll see when you come in, I don't want to give away too much, but the psychology of the room, the way it's been set up, is designed from becoming vulnerable. I mean, what's more vulnerable than wearing a blindfold in a group of people? Right, yeah. and then having to do a certain test, and 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 it's something, <coughs> excuse me, as simple as let's say eating a candy. Mm. But once you've done that physically, there has an impact on your psychology. You've been vulnerable enough, and what our hope is that by the time you get to the end, that auditorium, you're willing to open up and trust us to have really fruitful conversations. So I heard that this this exhibition is kind of going on a global tour of sorts. You've you've been in the states. You've done a similar thing on a smaller scale. Uh, what, yeah. What's been the feedback around around the other area, the other sites where you've set up this exhibition? Well, I mean, the, to be clear, we we've basically sampled doing a much lesser version of this at different events in Canada, on the west coast of the USA, also on the east coast, in various forms. Um, the version that we got the most overwhelmingly positive feedback for um, and when organizers and participants alike young and old academics children they said we need more of this we thought why not try to bring this to the premier event Jalsa Salana UK the annual convention in the UK the idea is that only the best can, should make it to the best event so for that reason this is being now given a platform and obviously the team here who's so experienced and as Nakasha and um, uh, Ms. Wasim, Dr. Wasim was explaining earlier, Sada Wasim, that the Review of Religions is, is known for having very high quality exhibitions, often of an academic bent or a historical bent, um, and they invite renowned speakers from around the world. Um, this time we thought let's shake it up and bring it back to basics with some candy. Yeah, I think in the UK we say sweets. Sweet, so sorry. We yeah. can hear by your American. Yeah, the American British accent. audiences are like, what yeah. is he saying? We're all starting to say candy now. <laughs> but I um, just wanted to touch upon what you're saying about um, the team, because I'm part of the team, but um, just in, 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 in one aspect of the team, which is design and graphics. But you were leading this team, uh, and I feel like this is the first exhibition on this scale that you've led a team like this. Um, so what are the kind of challenges that you faced um, because obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll give it away a little bit. There's a really nice blacked out marquee from the inside with really nice lights and a massive stage. And you won't need sunglasses. Yeah, a video, <laughs> a video wall and air conditioning. And it's just really nice. Um, and these booths and skittles and all these kind of, I'm saying too much. But um, <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you've had to set that up in a field in Hampshire, Alton? This isn't, you know... Like somewhere in America mm -hmm. or, or some somewhere else in the UK where it's all set up for you. Yeah, you have to do it from A to Z. Yes. How has that been for you? Well, that's. I mean, the team here is is unbelievable, and you, you can't teach experience. So you guys, yeah. the the team here in the UK, basically saw the concept. And honestly, when I walk walked in this morning, I was like, "This is better. This is better than because you guys have been able to take a concept and translate it in the middle of this giant field." 
on the English countryside. Yeah. And that's really, for those of us coming from Canada and America, we have these buildings, our annual conventions are generally in these um, state-of-the-art facilities, and we just kind of, we have a stage made for us, the lights are already up there. But to put up a tent and have studio lighting, and again, I'm giving away too much, but um, I hope people will come and see. Well, I definitely want to come and see it. You've definitely convinced me to come and see it. Uh, so I'm super excited about about seeing what you what you have in store. Any other thoughts around around the existence project in general? You've talked a lot about the exhibition. Tell us our audience a little bit more about the wider existence project and what that entails. The the whole idea of the existence project came out because of the the constant special attention of His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hands. And because he is the supreme head of, of the tens of millions of Ahmadi Muslims around the world, he is an individual who we believe has the special backing and support of God Almighty. So the guidance that he's provided is very unique, and that's the bread and butter of the existence project. People are not philosophers. The average person is not a philosopher, is not a, a hyper-intellectual individual. And for over a hundred years, when you really get into the nitty-gritty about the existence of God, you see all this jargon and these huge words. But if God exists, he's the most universal reality of all. The most uneducated person should have equal access to knowing their creator as the most educated individual. So the existence project, under the guidance of his holiness, really he's held our hand and steered this ship from the beginning, make this topic accessible to the maximum number of people so that they have equal opportunity to get to know their creator. Number two, it's through the experiences of people. Like how many times do I calculate each and every decision that I make, like what I'm going to have for breakfast in the morning, right? I have for breakfast in the morning whatever I'm inclined to. The truth is that every human being is inclined. I've spoken to hundreds of atheists and one question that I've, I've often asked is, do you want there to be a God? Would you like there to be a God? I have never heard a single person say no. Even an atheist? Every single atheist that I've ever spoken to, no matter where on the spectrum of how militant they describe themselves, that's the word they use for themselves, mm -hmm. um, I avoid it because I'm Muslim and I have to counter the narrative that people already attach of militancy to Islam, unfortunately, which is not true. Um, so... They always say, yes, I would love it. I was just speaking to a young man. Four hours we discussed, went through every single argument, every single argument in America. After I demonstrated, only because of the literature that we have in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, how his arguments came from misunderstandings, we have an answer for all of that. I asked him, he said straight up, he's like, I, of course I want there to be a God. And his eyes welled with tears when he said that. So this is kind of the idea to remind people that this is why we're here. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, Sabahat. Um, but one, it might be a, seem a bit of a weird question, but um, we're at Jalsa Salana, and if you look at all the exhibitions, all the activities that are happening, um, it's, all, it's all like a very different. So you've got the bookstall, you've got the tea stall, you've got the exhibitions, you've got the main um, marquee. But what do you want to gain from this exhibition? So mm -hmm. without giving up too much of mm -hmm. what it's about, What's the point? What's the purpose of it? What do you want to achieve at the end of it? For each and every individual who walks through this ex exhibit, we hope and sincerely pray that they will walk out with a deeper understanding of, number one, 
their relationship with the question of the existence of God. They don't believe in God at all. Or if they are very deep believers in God, it should be enriched. They should have a better relationship with how they interact with this question of the existence of God. Number two, that they should walk out with material information and satisfaction of their place in this universe. Because I feel, whenever we talk to people, that is what irks the most number of people. That is the biggest problem that people are mired in, is that we feel either we don't belong, or that there's no meaning, there's no purpose. What am I doing here? Especially when you go in the mundanities of life, day-to-day -day grind, as they call it. Yeah. These two things we hope that we can enrich for people. Inshallah. You have been listening to the Review of Religions program here on the Voice of Islam radio. Before we wind down here, uh, I wanted to give uh, Sabah uh, a chance to uh, give any final thoughts. And then Zubair, over to you for your final thoughts. And then I think we can, can wrap up. Yeah. So, uh, Sabahat, please uh, yeah, share I, with us your I, closing I'm, thoughts. I'm, I'm extremely humbled to be here, and I hope that uh, we've given people enough incentive to come and visit. That's it. I hope to see everyone there. Yeah, the last question on my mind is that um, uh, how can people visit? So, is there a ticketing system? Is there, they can just turn up? Um, you know, from the women's side as well, um, how, how do people access this uh, amazing exhibition for the next three days? Sure, so we've got a time slot. Basically, whenever the main session in what's called the Jalsaga, the main marquee for the men and women, whenever that's not uh, taking place, the exhibition will be open. Um, there will be uh, various slots and one special slot, especially for women um, who wish to go um, by themselves, will be allocated for about two, two and a half hours tomorrow, Saturday as well. And further details, please check out the uh, social medias. We'll be posting further updates. Yeah, that was a good follow-up question, Zubair, before we take leave of our listeners to, to get that information out there. And on that note, uh, Sabahat, if you could just share for us where exactly on the Jalsa site they go to see this exhibition. Yes, when you enter, um, for example, on the men's side through security, you'll see as you walk forward a giant uh, a tent that says, Makhsane Tasavir, it's green. And definitely check that out, as, out, that out and all the other exhibits as well. But right next to it will be a much more petite tent that says the existent project yeah. experience. Yeah. Come visit us there, Prime please. Location. And for our ladies, how, how do they go about? They go have a ticketing system or they go to check out and have certain times? or Yes, on <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow uh, between the two main addresses of His Holiness, uh, there will be a two to two hour, a two to two and a half hour slot that will be allocated specifically for the ladies to come by in the same tent and uh, that will be their show. But there's a representative on the women's side, right? For the yes. Yeah, so there's, there's a whole team. Amazing. Yeah. Zubair, any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'm just looking forward to the exhibition. Huh? We've been planning it and we've been um, making the videos and the posters, but to see it in real life, I'm excited. My family's excited. Everybody wants, there's a buzz about it. There's a secrecy as well, yeah. but there's a buzz about it. So hopefully we can unveil the secrets uh, over the next three days. Over the next three days, indeed. We will try our best to un unravel these secrets. So be sure to check out the Existence Project by the Review of Religions team here at the UK Annual Convention. Uh, over the next three days, the Voice of Islam will bring you, bringing you exclusive live coverage of various events 
here at the JELSA site, along with interviews, special guests, and discussion programs. So be sure to tune in for all of us here from the Review of Religions program on The Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.